You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. I'm not Cindy, I'm Cynthia. The sports writers made me Cindy because my name was too long for the sports columns. So at the age of 20, I became Cindy. Cindy's a good name if it's your name, but it wasn't my name. And then I had the Garvey tacked onto that. Former TV personality and baseball wife, Cindy Garvey. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Well, Major League Baseball fans will remember Steve Garvey the all-star first baseman for the Los Angeles Dodgers in the 1970s and 80s. On the field, Steve Garvey was a superstar. Off the field in his personal life, eh, not so much, according to his ex-wife, Cindy Garvey. Theirs was a messy and public divorce in the late 1970s. And according to Cindy, she took most of the blame publicly because loyal Dodgers fans just couldn't believe the allegations that accusing Steve of cheating and abuse. She put it all in her 1989 book, The Secret Life of Cindy Garvey. And that's when I had the chance to meet her. So here now, from 1989, Cindy Garvey. I don't want to talk about this anymore. In the fall, my kids have, they want to give me a button that says, in the fall. Because I have some idea that in the fall, when this is done, and you're gone, and the book is on the shelves, or whatever it is, I cannot have to talk about this anymore. I can say cliché-ish things like, or read the book, or I don't talk about that anymore. I want to get on with my life. My name is Garvey. I've been a Garvey since I'm 20 years old. I married Steve when I was 20. I have two daughters who carry the Garvey name, and you're in the business. Uh, I can't give up my professional name because I've built my uh, career around that name. So I want to be proud of my name. I've done some good things with my name. And there's also themes in my book that I feel are important. I survived a childhood of abuse. I survived a marriage that was emotionally abusive, and I do not abuse my children. So I broke the cycle. And if just that theme is recognized in my book, that's enough. I couldn't help thinking, you know, here you were the, what appeared to be the ideal couple. Right. I mean, beautiful talk show hostess, star baseball player, beautiful children. I mean, you know, you're seen in ads Mm -hmm. and commercials and People magazine, just the ideal couple. And then a book like this that tells us what was really going on. I have to be honest, I'm wondering to myself now, I look at other couples that we Mm -hmm. see in the public who are the perfect couple. Mm -hmm. What's going on in their lives? I mean, it kind of of shattered an image. Well, think about many of our heroes or our public figures now who are being exposed either by their own uh, actions or investigatory, you know, procedures. But in my case, image was not reality. I married Steve. I was Cynthia. I was pre-med. I had a course that I thought I was going to go on to. And I married a young man who just happened to become a star athlete. I am not a gold digger. I didn't marry into money. We were kids. We spent our time in foreign countries uh, while he was honing his craft. And what happened is Steve became so enamored with the public side of his sport. And I don't blame him totally for it, because in the 70s, that's the era of People magazine and where uh, athletes were almost made like entertainers to be stars. They became fodder for gossip. And Steve went to that with such a... He loved that media attention, and he was totally outer-oriented. I am more inner-oriented. I am more private. My priorities are my children, my family, my health, their health, our safety, whatever. Steve, very young, about the second year into our marriage, I realized I had big problems because he would rather get faceless applause than to have a hug from me 
And I fought that competition throughout my marriage, even to the point, Bill, that I became Cindy. I'm not Cindy. I'm Cynthia. The sports writers made me Cindy because my name was too long for the sports columns. So at the age of 20, I became Cindy. Cindy's a good name if it's your name, but it wasn't my name. And then I had the Garvey tacked onto that, and Steve and I are at opposite poles politically, philosophically, religiously. I am a Democrat. I am pro-choice. I am a woman's woman. I am. Uh, Steve is a right-wing Republican who is all of a sudden a born-again Christian slash Catholic. And we are so different. But I was expected to adopt and adapt to his image. And I did it for a period of about two and a half years. I became Cindy and tried very hard. But Cynthia was inside, almost like the alien, trying to get out because she was killing me. I almost died over my loss of my identity. And you mean that literally? I literally mean that. I, I got so ill. In 1981, I was given a prescription for sleeping pills, and I took two. I was down to 105 pounds in a 5'7 frame. My hair was falling out. I was anemic because I, was, I knew that the life I was living was not right. Steve would not communicate with me. Uh, we were this Ken and Barbie couple in the eye, public eye, but I was literally starving for affection and for attention from my husband. Anyway, I took two pills. I went to check on the kids. I put them to bed. I read them a little story. And I came back, and I took two more. And I went into a form of arrhythmia. And I knew it from being pre-med. I was in trouble, and I called the paramedics, and they came. And I was very lucky. I'm very lucky. And that set me on a course of uh, self-evaluation. And then I found out about the mistresses in his life. And, well, the story is in the book. But it, it, basically my story is about surviving the total loss of my identity and my responsibility in that process. And due to my conditioning as a child, as an abused child, knowing never again to stay in abusive relationships, to get out. And I hope that women out there, and men, by the way, who are in destructive relationships, if you have given it your best shot, get out. But, you know, there are there are cynical people. Yes, I know. Who will say, hey, yeah. you got into television with the Garvey name. Mm-hmm. You're on a book tour now with the Garvey name. Garvey. Any job that you get from here on out, any fame that you get, yes. it's going to be because of the Garvey name. And what are you doing? You're writing all this stuff about him. I earned it. You are in this business. Unless you are good, you don't stick. I've been in television since 1977. I still work. I'll probably go back into it, maybe, you know, hopefully. Um, the Garvey name became my Garvey name as a young, young woman. I was 20. I did not take this name at 35. Um... The Garvey name is interesting because I was kidding around with my friends the other day, and I probably the day I die on my tombstone will be this lovely Cindy Garvey, wife of former Dodger first baseman Steve Garvey. Some <laughs> things are just too big to kick, and I but I want to work within the framework of it. I am proud of what I've done with my name. I don't live off of Steve's fame. I am not a ball player. I don't hit the ball. And the arena that I work in, talk radio, usually affects people who are, on the whole, not sports people. After this short break, Cindy Garvey recalled some of the jaw-dropping things people have said to her or called her. Now back to my 1989 conversation with Cindy Garvey. People will say anything. People will say I wrote this book for money. I, exactly. I did not write this book for money. I, this book burst from me. I, there's a little story. I was in my local dry cleaners in uh, California where I live, and I left some change on the counter. This was two years ago or two and a half years ago, and I had my daughter with me then who was 12. And the woman at the, at the behind the counter said, Mrs. Garvey, you've left your change. Well, I turned around to get the change. and At the same time, a man walked into the store with me, and he said, 
you're Cindy Garvey? And I said, yes, in my voice at that time, which was tentative, and I don't know what to expect. And he said, so you're the bitch that left Steve Garvey. Well, here is my 12-year-old daughter standing next to me. I'm used to that. But she was with me at that time, and she looked up at me, Bill, not with eyes of anger or hurt or embarrassment. She looked at me with this look like, what are we going to do about this? This is enough. So please believe me when I say this book did not come from money. The money that comes from this book will go into my children's college fund. With Steve Garvey's paternity suits of late and all the litigation surrounding him, my girl's future has been jeopardized, and I am responsible for their college and their post-college education. That's where this money will go, though this book was not written with that intent. I know there are a lot of people who would probably say that, who would probably feel perfectly sympathetic with you if the way you felt right now was good, he's got it coming to him, I hope they, they get him good. I still have a, a real subconscious hope that Steve Garvey will realize, and maybe the cold fluorescent lights of a courtroom will make him realize this with all these suits that are against him, that he has got to learn that he is accountable for his actions. You cannot get into innocent people's lives and alter them through dishonesty and expect to walk away. There are babies being born. There are women who are forever changed now simply because they, like me, believed him. That is cruel behavior. And I don't know if it's Tennessee Williams or who said, but deliberate cruelty is unforgivable because it's planned. It's planned. We all make mistakes. And I know when I make a mistake, I go, oh, go, I got to fix this. I got to apologize. I got to write a note. I got to go see the person. When you look at Steve or some of the politicians out there or Pete Rose or Oliver North or whatever, it's almost as if they stand righteous in their mistake. And what's sad is that people, people, because they want so badly to hold on to these folk heroes, turn their head and go almost, oh, let them go, let them go. It's okay. Mm-hmm. To hold on to the gem of whatever they need to believe in. Well, if we are truly entering the age of the 90s where ethics and integrity and accountability are being talked about, let's reevaluate the heroes that we have chosen. Maybe the heroes are walking right next to you and you don't look mm-hmm. at them. Well, you know, it's almost a stereotype. Ballplayers have somebody in every city. Yeah. Some with stars next to the names. I, I discovered the book with the, with the girls' names with the stars next to it. Yeah. I don't know what the stars meant. I don't want to know that. <laughs> I don't know if they had a nice house or if they were nice other ways. But uh, when I saw that, uh, you don't understand, but I went temporarily insane. I Too many puzzle pieces came into, to the, to, into fruition there, and I took a baseball bat, and I tore apart his office where he had kept his mistress. It, I went into overload. <laughs> wow, what a what a just a a stinging slap in the face it must be though to be sitting on a plane and have the stewardess mm. casually mention, "Oh, I dated your husband." Yeah, and I remember saying, you know, I said, "Well, when was that?" I asked a question I didn't really want to know. I said, "Well, back in 1977, well, I was married in 1977 with two babies. And I was working and I was struggling to keep houses going and doing the bills, everything that the person in the relationship that is responsible does." And you know, I I look back now, Bill, and I just stayed too long. I'm responsible for that. I was conditioned to stay too long. It's my responsibility, and I look back and I understand why I did, but I tell you this much. When this book is, is set and gone and on the shelves and wherever it's going to be, and, and you are gone and I'm back and we're all back in our places, I want to look at men. I would like to have a, a nice relationship with a man who I can believe 
and look in his eyes and know that he's being honest with me. It's hard, though. I do look sideways at men now. How do you, yeah, I was just going to say, how do you keep from being cynical and being bitter and being uh, very, very suspicious? Because I've looked at people that go through life bitter and cynical, and I don't want to be like that. I have a good personality. I have a sense of humor. I'm, I'm healthy due to a lot of work, and I have two children that I'm responsible for. I'm responsible to be the role model, the only parent to these two f- terrific girls, and I, I want to have laughter and love in my life, and I don't want to be bitter and cynical. We'll see how much of a sense of humor you have after the book tour. <laughs> yeah, that's the tired as I get, right? <laughs> I'm going to be 40 in Cleveland, Bill. It's going to be a banner day sure, next you, week. <laughs> yeah, you have, a, you have a birthday coming up. Next Sunday. Well, this Sunday I'm in Cleveland and I'm going to turn 40. And I just think it sounds funny to be 40 in Cleveland. I like Cleveland. <laughs> I just, uh, one of my guests earlier this morning who, yeah. is, who is well into the afternoon, she said that some Oscar Wilde or somebody had said that 40 is life's noontime. Is it? And she said she's well into dusk. But <laughs> Do you get a nap but, after that? Then? <laughs> I don't know quite what she meant that 40 is... Uh... Is the noon to... I'll tell you the truth. I feel real good now. Maybe it's because I'm really who I am now and I'm There's authentic. There's a burden lifted from you, isn't there? Yeah, because you don't understand. And, and maybe people think I'm really trying to make a killing off of doing this. This was very painful. I don't want to talk about this anymore. When this is done, believe me, you will never see me or hear me talk about this again. <laughs> but I had to address it to get on with my life. Cindy Garvey celebrated her 74th birthday this month. Steve Garvey, more than 30 years after his retirement from baseball, still has not won election to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And you can get your copy of The Secret Life of Cindy Garvey by clicking on the link in our show notes or by going to my website, heardeverything.com, where you'll also find my 1996 interview with another baseball wife with a very different story to tell, the widow of baseball's Jackie Robinson, Rachel Robinson. When he talked to Branch Rickey, he called me from New York. I was in California, and he said, I've got this wonderful opportunity. I don't know what it means, but he's invited me to join the organized baseball. We couldn't begin to understand the impact of that. And my 1993 conversation with another ex-wife who knows something about being married to somebody famous, Ivana Trump. I have a great confidence, and, and I know that I'm young, and I'm healthy, and I'm not poor. I have three beautiful children, and I have a great education. And I'm not lazy. I like to work. I always will be able to support myself no matter what. And as you know, we post new episodes of Now I've Heard Everything every Monday, every Wednesday, and every Friday. You can find us on all major podcast platforms. Thank you so much for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, even celebrities can be subject to body shaming and eating disorders. Such was the case with the actress I interviewed in 1991, the actress who made Georgie Girl famous, Lynn Redgrave. I am now intensely proud of Georgie Girl and intensely grateful that I got that sort of shot-in-the-arm chance. But at the time, the reviews came out. They were wonderful reviews. People wrote glowingly. But I was called in the press one day, the ugly duckling of the Redgrave family. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. 